And now, Podtendo presents the Final Fantasy VII Retrospective, where we are going to do a deep dive into characters, thematical elements, and the plot. Please enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Podtendo's Final Fantasy Retrospective. We're kind of just like clipping along. We're at the second part of Crisis Core, which was the handheld PSP version. Hopefully you listened to the first part. You're not just jumping into this one because it would make no sense. Do I have to read any of this other stuff, you think? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. We've uh, kind of covered it a lot, I think. All right, so I'm your co-host, Mick. I'm joined every episode by my lovely co-host. Tyson. Nice, good stuff, good stuff. So, uh, end of our last episode, I think... Tyson was having a great time and never played this game before, having a really good experience. Yep. Uh, myself, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's fairly good from what I remember. I was definitely enjoying my alternate speed, my like times two speed on my emulator. So, yeah, yeah, well, that will help a little bit just because it's some of the battles can get a little bit monotonous. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll talk. To, we'll just maybe go through like the little nitty gritty, and we can talk about my our experience and the gameplay in this game. But yeah, it it does very very tedious. So the story so far. So Crisis Core Part One. What happened in the first part? We meet Zach. Zach dreams of being a soldier first class and wants to be a hero and is promoted when two other first class soldiers desert the organization. Along the way, Zach befriends Cloud and gets romantically involved with a girl named Eris. Zach is tasked with working alongside with the top secret Turks and tracking Genesis and his former mentor Angeal to the mountain town of Modenheim. A final confrontation leaves Zach victorious, but is emotionally drained. Yeah, kind of interesting uh, first um, half there, where I think that it could have just been its own little story, but I think the first half sets up its this story's tie into Final Fantasy VII a lot. Oh, it's a lot better. Yeah, I, I love the first part of the game. The first part of the game, I was like, wow, you made a, an actual game, and I learned about Zack's character, and you didn't just tie in a bunch of random nonsense for no reason. Yeah, and you actually expanded the world where like, it made, made the Turks, instead of just being like, oh, hey, they do their own thing, and it kind of makes you explains, at least, what a freaking soldier first class is. Yeah, and it made, because Sh Shinra was always kind of shady, it made them seem more shady, <coughs> essentially, right? Like, ultimately, yeah. you're like... I get it. You yeah, know? for sure. Because there kind of came uh, some parts in Final Fantasy VII even where you're like, why are you the bad guy? Because they're yeah. the energy company. Kind of feels like we're just against the energy company. Well, and it seemed like they were just evil for no reason, too. Yeah. They're like, ah, I'm the accountant here. And ah, I... I have a brothel. And you're yeah. like, mm, that doesn't, okay, all yeah. right. It's like, it's like every person that had to work for Shinra had to be a previous crime syndicate member, like a, a yeah. boss or something, or everybody was shady and dirty. And it was just like, it seems like it really, every part of that organization was just messed up. And in this story, you kind of see how they kind of lost their way, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, great, awesome. The first part, like where we cut the game off, I was like, genius, awesome. Can't wait to get to the next part. Uh, we were just going to look a little bit at expanded lore because I think we were light on it last time. And Tyson was trying to like, uh, spin his tires a little bit and just kind of dig through it. So let's just so the expanded lore of what is going on in this game is we find out that Shinra ran a program called Project G, which implement uh, implanted Genova cells into soldiers. One of them was Genesis, 
who was implanted after his birth, whereas Angeal was implanted during his mother's pregnancy. And I believe Project G stood for Project G, whatever her name was, Jenny Genera. Something like that. Something like that. And it's like, I have no, in my in mind right now, I have no women's names that start with G. But if you're thinking Guinevere. of it, something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, these G cells gave them heightened abilities, but started to transform them into monsters. These Project G warriors also started to degrade or degenerate and they kidnapped Professor Hollinger, who was in charge of the project, to try and find a way to save themselves. So that's kind of the backstory of what exactly is going on with Genesis. I don't know if we were super clear with that last game. I don't think we were. We were just kind of like, oh, Genesis is a bad guy, blah, 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 and like Angeal. But that's essentially why those two guys are working against our main heroes. And that leads us into the start of Chapter 6. Yeah, yeah, we kind of start going into it and i think uh just before we kind of continue it, it was kind of interesting the way that they set up shinra as like an energy company and sort of a military power but essentially this entire story is focused on the military aspect of things as opposed to final fantasy 7 yeah. which is focused very much on the energy aspect and all the reactors and the... well they're a multi-conglomerate like yeah. they kind of run the show right like yeah. they've got yeah the they army, like they're everything energy <laughs> yeah there's materia, the research materia yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's what happens. That's why we should diversify and don't just give all our money to big organizations like Walmart and Costco. Because this is what's going to happen, people. Listen yeah. to us. Amazon's the next Shinra. Just oh my God. hear me. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Amazon. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, so in our level notes play. So we're off in chapter six where we start off. So we protect your honors. We start on vacation in Junon. We are attacked by some Genesis spawn. Fight through the streets of Junon while chasing Professor Hollander before a boss fight where we fight the guard scorpion we dodge the attacks uh and use thundagra thunder i think i combined thunderara and thunder thundaga together whatever it is easy yeah, yeah. use lightning anything yeah. electrical uh, and so i think my little side note is after i struggles in the last episode i had a hell of a time fighting the last guy with angeal uh so i think i spent most i, I completed 20 percent of the game's missions here uh gave me a great arsenal of items weapons materia I was overpowered basically the rest of the game. I don't think I struggled up until maybe the very last dungeon. Yeah, if you grind out a fair bit on the missions, you kind of get enough um, items, accessories, whatever you kind of need. Like, I, f I feel like the bulk of the game is played through the missions, and the story's just kind of... And, and that's kind of where the second half kind of falls off for me, is that you're starting to kind of be like, oh, there's not a lot of story left. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to, like, kind of enjoy your experience, you need to start just grinding out these missions, and some of them are pretty boring. Um, oh, yeah, but... and I mean, if you, there's, like, a... like trade secret maybe i should mention this in the last one but if you just stick to like the edge of the walls yep. you don't spawn enemies so pretty much in these missions there's these long corridors and basic and there's one enemy you can see in the distance and you run to them and as you're running enemies fight you but if you stick to the wall you don't hit the spawn checkpoints and you can just run basically along to the end of it yep yep Super and it gives you a map easy. basically right off the bat so you're yes. like okay here's all the here's all the items did i get them all or not yeah so it it you, it kind of reduces the grindingness and the slog of this game, but there's definitely a bit of a drag when it comes to the uh, random yeah. encounters. And Guard Scorpion was the very first boss you fight in Final Fantasy VII, so it was kind of cool to see him back. 
Yep. Also does the old raise the tail yep. and will counter you, which and is which is cool. Get out of the way. All right, so up to chapter seven. So back on the job, uh, we visit our boo, Eris, and we make a flower cart for her. Basically, you run around and waste your time. I did the bare minimum to make her flower cart because I'm a great boyfriend. There was no boss, and that was a thing that happened, apparently. Awful. Yeah, there's three different types of carts you can build. Um, Carts. Yeah. Ugh. I know. What a stupid... This is such filler. Um, it's like, we need to develop their story. Uh, you build her her flower cart that she gets. So you can build like a cute one. You can build just like a Shinra looking one. And then you can build, I think, just like a regular old looking one. If you get a cute one, she's basically says, oh, this is cute. And then if you don't build the cute one, you build a regular one. She's like, oh, this is nice. <sighs> Wish it was cute. Yeah, and I feel like at some point there was like, there, I thought there was an economy that was tied to Eris and like the better cart you build, the more money you make and that's something you can manage on the side. But maybe I just made that up in my head. Maybe that's like headcanon that I created to be like, oh, that's why this is important. But then ultimately it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, there's nothing comes out of it besides a little cut. And I realize they're trying to build up this relationship with Eris and Zack because that's important because Eris is a character from Final Fantasy VII, which is come, the game after this. But... I almost feel like there's a better emotional scene. So after you beat um, Angeal in the last episode, and like in the last part, so after part five, uh, there's a part where Eris and Cloud are hanging, or Eris and Zach are hanging out, and Eris is like, "Oh, look at the flowers!" And Cloud and Zach's just sitting there, like broken and crying. And I thought that was a way stronger emotional moment that yeah. shows kind of the character and the growth that they're gonna have, rather than you running around building a cart for her yeah you know yeah yeah and i think that like there's a lot of good moments and that's why i say that this has to just be like a last minute filler like they're like oh we need to pad this out a little bit what yeah. can we do it's like oh let's just add a little like cart building thing wow. with eris it just it happens in kingdom hearts like if you play kingdom hearts one and two there's lots of fun elements in those games but then sometimes you get tasked with these things like at one point you go to uh, wonderland and yeah. i feel like there's no boss in wonderland and there's not really enemies you just do nothing and i'm like that's a waste of my time yeah and it's and that kind of just like it's one of those things where it's like this is definitely a last minute kind of addition like yeah. there's definitely not enough area to, like it's just not built out enough like every other part of the game kind of has those moments like like after the boss scene it's not a lot of time where you see the hero kind of reflect on the impact of what just happened in yeah. the story oh, yeah and i think that is like a really powerful scene but then you have this moment where it's like Oh, you built the Shinra-looking one? Then I think it's one of the people come up to you and they're like, "Oh, can I buy this off you? This looks like a great yeah. weapon." Well, and, and it like, just—it—it's run around and talk to everyone. Yeah, like there's no real strategy. Like at one point, you need wheels, and you go talk to a guy who's next to a truck. That's the part where I actually got stuck. I had to go into the walkthrough and look, like, where the frick are these wheels? Because I've looked everywhere, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, you have to go from the slums up to up into uh, Midgar, the upper upper plate or whatever, and like talk to a guy." And I was like, "This is." and whatever it's anyways off to chapter eight though yeah. uh should be the best part of the game but maybe it's not i don't know we'll find out uh, so chapter eight is beat departure so we leave midgar and we arrive in nibelheim this looks very familiar we meet up with tifa i guess the pyroth is also with us we head to the reactor we check in with sephiroth chase him down after he burns down the town before finding ourselves back at the reactor and the boss here is sephiroth Phase one, it's okay, you just kind of dodge a lot. And then phase two is a lot harder because he does this big slashing attack and you're on this long, narrow platform and you can't get knocked off into the Mako and get a game over. So, it's pretty fun. Yeah, um, and I mean, the like this just looks ripped straight from Final Fantasy VII, but with like upgraded graphics. Yes. Like, this is... 
this is what we were waiting for and what we've been wanting for since we first played Final Fantasy VII. Um, and then it kind of waffles. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, it, it feels like it's like they're, they don't want to spend too much time here, but it's also like, this is the strongest part of the story. So why would you not want to just like actually? Well, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Cause yeah, like, like Taysom was saying, this should be the biggest strength. Right. And it's just like, I, I wrote, shouldn't this be the climax of the game? Yeah. Right. Like you beat Sephiroth, you then kind of escape, uh, you end up doing the final like battle and with the soldiers and you get gunned down and that's it. But they just kind of like skipped a lot and they pushed ahead. And like, at one point I was like, Oh yeah, I, I probably have to go meet or like, they're like, go to sleep and you wake up and the town's burning and you're like, well, that escalated quickly. I thought there was another beat somewhere. Um, yeah. And they just go, go, go. Okay, great. You know, like, sure. Let's race through this for no reason. I yeah. don't know. I... And, and it doesn't even like, you don't really get all that moments of like, Sapiroth in the mansion or anything like that where you see him slowly like mentally realize that like oh I'm I'm just a pawn and and slowly like mentally crack where I feel like even in Final Fantasy 7 with less graphics you kind of get that emotional weight mm -hmm. more than this scene where it's just like it seems like Sapiroth just kind of gets fed up and gets grumpy and it's like okay screw it I'm burning this thing to the ground I don't care anymore yeah and it just seems like he his character is just really weak and underwritten yeah. where it's like he should be like this should be a big, well-done scene, and it just seems rushed and kind of like there's parts missing. Uh, oh, yeah, that is basically exactly how this game feels. I, I, yeah, something, something's off. I don't know. I feel like the director of this game probably could have moved a couple things around. So, again, this should have been the end of the game. They should have put the last third of their efforts into just retelling this part. I mean, unless, of course, they're like, well, you know, it's already been told in Final Fantasy VII and we want to do our own thing, which is, I kind of think, more what in line what they're doing. Because, like I said, that was chapter eight. There's still, there's ten chapters of people. So we have two more chapters to get through. What the heck are we going to do for two chapters? We just beat Sephiroth. Stupid. Yeah. So on to chapter nine, though. See you soon. So we make up in a Mako tube. Find our way, uh, find out that we're resistant to Mako due to our training. We don't try and kill Cloud, which if you've ever played Final Fantasy VII, you know that when Zack wakes up from the Mako tube, he takes his sword and actually tries to take out Cloud with it. He doesn't do that here. Yeah, just saying. We open a safe, find Cloud some clothes before making a meager escape uh, from the rebuilt town. After fighting some guards, we snipe some robots, fight a G Eliminator on a bridge. Uh, and then we can go to our folks in Gangaga, are warned off by Cisne, meet up with Genesis before fighting the good Professor Hollander. And that's the final boss of this, or that's the boss of this area. Professor Hollander. Uh, he wasn't super hard. I just used Thundarga. I think I've spelt it a completely different way every time. Uh, and it helped just kept his worms at bay. So he kind of spawns these worms that poison you. And if you just kind of use Thundog, it's basically like a shotgun effect. It just kills everyone. So a lot happened there. Nothing super... Super yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. It feels like this this almost has the, the same amount of time put into it than Chapter 8, where it feels like Chapter 8 should have been like almost two chapters yeah. and spread out and actually had like a little bit more re resonance, where it feels like within a blink of an eye, Chapter 8's over and you're on to Chapter 9, and you're just like, oh, no, I just got to deal with the after effects. And... Yeah. Well, like you, because you escape through the mansion and you can't open up, I forget what you get in the safe, but you have to find the code by looking through these doors and it's always randomly generated. So you have to count like little pumpkin heads or like how many chairs are in a room. Mm. Uh, you find a cactar and something. I don't know what it is. And then as you leave, Shinra soldiers show up and you have to try and like fight them off as they drag Cloud away, which is, again, fine. But then the whole sniping minigame. I was like, I've never shot a gun before in this game. Why am I shooting a gun now? What's the point? 
Like, you get better items. I'm like, well, I don't need anything. I have... <laughs> it's the end of the game. I have 30 elixirs. Mm-hmm. I have unlimited potions. I've got all this, like, magic and stuff. Like, I don't want more stuff. So I don't know why I would play that game. Yeah. And then you fight a boss, and then you have to fight another boss. Then you have to run through Gongaga for no reason, and then you... Like, Cisne is kind of forced in there, and she's like, I'm an important character. And I'm like... You haven't been around in five chapters. What the hell? Who are you? And then she has a moment in another game where, or the next one, she's like, I'm leaving Turks forever. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that's... Who, who is this person? Resolved? Yeah. Like, taken care of? I don't get it. Yeah. And whatever. And then, like, we wrap up with Hollander, and you're like, great, awesome. I feel like this probably could have happened before the Nibelheim incident, right? Like, they could have wrapped up the Professor Hollander Genesis storyline, and we could have just got our, uh, like, Sephiroth climax. That probably made a cleaner game, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. This this chapter is where it kind of, like, I almost, like, lost interest, and I was like... Man, I don't even care really what you're doing with the story because it feels like yeah. they don't even really care what well, they're doing. Well, I was the curious story. how you felt about it too because you were like, "Oh, this is great! Like, I'm having such a good time," and I was like, oh, "I think it gets worse." Before it, it gets yeah, better. it definitely yeah. does. Unfortunately, it doesn't end. Like, it, it starts out well, and you're like, "Oh, cool! This is a fun experience." And yeah, yeah, no, no, de- no development. He just like, Cloud is knocked out this whole time. Zach just drags him around. In Final Fantasy VII, they leave, they jump in a truck. Zach tells them some things, and then they arrive in Midgar. In this game. Clouds out for months, weeks. Yeah. Well, I guess it was five years. Five years between uh, the events of kind of like Nibelheim and Final Fantasy VII. And like Cloud is just knocked unconscious the whole time. Yeah. But it's also, it's like one of those things where it's like, man, if Cloud's been literally sitting in a chair for like five years, all he'd be so like muscularly atrophied. And they just. Yep. I think he's he's injected with Mako. So they did do. Like, uh, Hojo did do tests on them, mm. so he does have super strength. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I guess that's how you'd argue. But yes, you'd think the atrophy would kick in and, like, whatever. It's a story. All right, so the final chapter. Yay. So we stop in Bor- Bonara, the place of the apples, from the very first part of the game. And we see the aftermath of the bombing from the game's beginning. This is a very large dungeon to explore. We have to read four tablets that contain the Axe of Loveless, which is this play that Genesis loves, that talks about, that it was like in a one clip in Final Fantasy VII, and like, oh, whatever, this is Loveless, great. Uh, This will allow you to fight four very tough Genesis spawn, grant you access to the research holding cells, fight a giant behemoth, the first boss in the game, before getting access to the final two bosses. So we've got boss one is Genesis Avatar. I randomly selected Vital Slash before this fight, and it was dealing uh, 9,999 damage per swing. Uh, when he would place his big sword in the ground, I just kind of would swing it. Uh, he spawned a bunch of little enemies. I'd use my Thundaga and then Vital Slash him to death. I never used AP points. I had tons of AP points. It was super easy. And then the main man himself was the second boss, Genesis. Uh, I did a combination of Vital Slash and Thundaga just for range and eventually wore him down. And that's the end of the game. You know, it's done. Easy. Yeah. Very almost anticlimactic. Like, yeah, I get that we did like a big boss that's got two stages but depending on how far you've gotten in the actual missions like i played a lot of the missions so some of those bosses were just way harder sometimes they were like multiple bosses were just way harder than genesis and these both genesis so i was like at this point we're like oh he only has like a hundred thousand in health and it's like you're when you're doing like 99 damage you're like oh it doesn't take that long to literally just murder this guy like it's actually like kind of pitiful 
Um, yeah. And I get that maybe they're, they're trying to, like, emphasize that, like, at this point, he's very degenerate. He's very, like, broken down and he's very weak. So it's not supposed to be a super tough battle. But at the same time, it's like, it's a video game. Give me something here. Um, yeah. Just feels a little lackluster. Well, and, like, I imagine you're overpowered. Like, if you played through yeah. any of the missions and sunk time into this, you were doing a minimalist run. Yeah, I'm sure this game would be tough. But... Yeah. It's not. Also, you have Phoenix Downs, and you can use Phoenix Downs in this game. You get a little feather over your head, and then if you die, you just get full health. Okay, and then you can, like, recast them in battle. So you're just stupid. Uh, I found the area, the dungeon itself, was just huge. It's the biggest area in the game. Uh, most areas are a couple hallways, a street. This one is a giant cavern. Uh, the spawn rate was just super unnecessary. And at one point, I only had six of the seven goddess materia that you collect. And there's not one single comprehensive guide on the internet. So I had to go back and double check literally every single spot. It was one of the very first ones that I'd missed. Mm. But I ran through the dungeon like two or three times. So Yeah. And I remember there's a couple of them where you're just like hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, I was following some YouTube videos. And, and luckily, the person actually went through it and knew where they were looking. So yeah, I didn't miss them all. But I could see how it's like easy. If you miss one, it'd be like just such a piss off. If you want to like make your mark on the internet, screenshot a guide for Final Fantasy or Crisis Core because it doesn't really exist. And you could be a niche god. Yeah. There yeah. Well, especially if I have a sneaking suspicion this game will get re-released at some point. Yeah, I could so. see that. Give it time. See that. Uh, and then, so the ending is so Zach, you know, finally Zach says goodbye to the director who showed up at some point and he was kind of like a Angeal clone for some reason. I wasn't really following what's going on there. Uh, Genesis isn't dead, and Angeal, who might be like a weird flying dog creature, and they all kind of die together. And he's like, Oh, so sad. I might finally have closure on this story. Hooray. Uh, he takes Cloud and he travels via a little yellow truck to the outskirts of Midgar, where he's ambushed by hundreds of Shinra soldiers and is shot down. Cloud crawls over to his dying body and is given the buster blade as he limps off. The final scene is the last few moments with Zack as a heavenly figure takes him away. Eris senses his death. She is shown checking in on the life stream as a train rattles through the streets of Midgar and we see Cloud ready for his first mission with Avalanche. Yeah, uh, a neat, kind of cool, kind of cool kinda ending cool. where they tie into the first one. Um, I don't know. I see. I see a lot of people get really emotionally upset at the ending of this this story. It's like, guys, it's a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, we, we know Zach's dead. We knew it was coming. Yes. Yeah, it's like I like I don't know. I, I was a lot of people are like, oh, the, the story, the ending is just makes this movie this, this game so impactful and so meaningful and all that stuff. And at the end of it, I was like, you know, I really like the fucking first half. Yeah. Like the first half's yeah. fantastic because yeah. they were just doing their own thing, exploring this world, getting you to know these characters yeah. with like a little bit of like references every now and then. Like I was having more fun with my Yuffie references than I was my like, than every time Eris showed up because it felt forced. I thought of something. So it's weird that Yuffie is in this game. In the Shinra Mansion, you actually can run into Vincent. So you get a coffin key and you can find the room where the coffin is. And there's like, oh, man sleeping inside. And it's weird that in Dirge of Cerberus, Yuffie is mentioned. Or I don't know if Yuffie is, but it's a Vincent type game. And those are the two unlockable characters of Final Fantasy VII. So it's weird that they get the shine in the Tifas and the Barretts and the Kate Siths, Sids. And the Red Thirteens, Sids. You get nothing. Yeah. You never see them. They don't talk about them. But the hidden characters get all this extra play. It's yeah. weird. a weird 
choice. It really right? is because it's like, especially considering if you played Final Fantasy VII, you know that because they were the optional characters were optional, yeah. a lot of the story beats aren't in. They aren't there. They're not meaningful. They're not even in some cutscenes. Like yeah. Sid takes over as the leader of the team at one point, and he's not even mentioned here. Yeah, it's just like it's one of those things where it's like you have this, you have an opportunity to like build up the backstory of like who makes their decision when like i would love to see a barrett mixed in here like give me a little bit of barrett well, and so uh, this game was meant to be Bane. before crisis which right. was a mobile game that talked about the turks uh, and avalanche before barrett joined them right which is again kind of weird because now you're like devaluing barrett's role because he just took over an established group of these like greater heroes totally yeah and it seems like everywhere they get a chance they just underwrite barrett's character to a point where at the beginning of the game when i remember first playing th- like the first time yeah. playing through this i had barrett in my lineup with tifa because i was so attached to those first three characters that i yes. met that i was like okay i love these characters like they have such a cool world like world they're always like Barrett's always like swearing and, and yeah, being like yeah, the yeah. brash guy, but he's also the emotional center. Whereas like Tifa's always like the the calm and collected and like very analytical. Yeah. Where it's and they're just like missing. You're just gone. So it's like I, I get that you want to do your own thing and you, you had this you want to explore Zach and everything, but like introducing you've introduced so many extra characters like Cisne and you're like, who the hell is Cisne? Like I don't care about Cisne. Give me Elena from the Turks. Give me more about her. Like, there, you have all these cool characters that show up for brief seconds, and yeah. you just don't do anything with them. Yeah, what the fuck? What was like, Cisne Rina, about? Rina and Rude. Well, you know what? Or, Cis- uh, Rude and... What's his name? Reno? Reno. Reno and Rude, yeah. Yeah. Like, they show up for, like, one cool scene, yeah. and then they aren't mentioned again. Yeah. Well, and, like, Cisne... Like, there's a scene where Zach's on the beach and he's got the very like skinny board short look and Sisney comes in in a little bikini and it's very much like cute anime style. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they were like, well, Alina's too old for us to put her in a bikini. Mm-hmm. Like we need a young teen girl to put in the bikini because we're Jap- Japan. And like, I'm not trying to be like, like, but like, yeah, this is very much yeah. of the culture and like, of like anime is like young girls in bikinis. Yes. Okay. Yes. There's maybe thousands of animes yeah. based around that simple premise alone. I don't know. Anyways, so yeah, but like Tyson was just like, in my mind, I would say first part of the game, great. Do these last two missions after that, right? Like in Jildai's, there's the attack on Junin. You then have to go and go to like Gongaga or something, fight Hollander, fight Genesis, and then all of a sudden you fight Sephiroth, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there, I, and that's the end of the game. And then it's kind of like, oh, cool, cute. You know, we get to meet the Tifas and stuff. And we get to have those moments. <coughs> but I feel like the way they did it was just kind of like jumbly. Yeah. Or I was even thinking, it's like, you know, if you really want to like start this game off with a bang and kind of jump around a little bit, like, I mean, what you can do is you could do like have the whole story taking place during the Nibelheim incident but flashback to what was happening in the past. So, like, when you first do the first, like, oh, day or whatever Nibelheim, and then you learn, like, the first three chapters. Oh, that'd be a big tease, though. Yeah. I mean, it would make you play the game, but it would be a real tease. Totally, so. but I think, like, at least, like, it would set it up, so I feel yeah. like then you can kind of get, like, the Angeal uh, revelation, and yeah, you'd yeah. be, like, fighting Angeal, so you kind of have, like, it connects the story a little bit more, just because I feel like this story is very spread out and disjointed where like i love the first half there's some weak parts in the second half where i feel like you could just like either cut out entirely or mix in with the first story so like like they just do a five-year skip in between two chapters and like then other things happened and now they're dead it's like yeah well 
you're just not giving me as much as I want. Yeah, no, that's fair. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think my final thoughts here, I'm just kind of looking at them. Uh, first half, great. Side mission's useless. Um, story becomes a bit of a mess towards the end of the game. And yeah, I feel like the... Like, who defeats Sephiroth in Act 2? Sephiroth should be the main bad guy. Like, he should have built him up. That should be the main point. That's what he should be doing. I don't get it. Yeah, I yeah. love Angeal. I love Zack. I love what they did, kind of what they did with Cloud. He's kind of like a little, like... Like little loser, which is interesting. I love how they expand the whole soldier lore. Like, yeah. how do you become a first class soldier? What's the difference between a first and a third? Just ride it out and wait for people to defect. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Like Zach's not a, he's not better than everybody else, but he got there because there was an, a vacation of jobs. That just shows that if perseverance perseverance sticks around, when your company has massive layoffs and you're the last guy standing, you will get a job promotion, and that's the story of Zach. Um, yeah. and then Genesis and it's like, and I just hate him. It, yeah. He's boring. He kind of just talks about nothing. He kind of like, yeah. it's like almost built up. Like there's this whole other faction led by Genesis and they just don't do anything. Like the whole people yeah. you're kind of fighting are like, Oh, here's Wutai soldiers. Oh, and I guess, like, well, by the almost... end of it, you're fighting Shinra. It's like, who is Genesis's group? So Genesis comes in as a secret ending in Dirge of Cerberus, which was released first. Oh. So they tied him into the story through this game. So I almost wonder if we did ourselves a disservice by not playing that game, looking at the secret ending. Because playing this. The, the group Chaos, which I think is the bad guys in that game, Genesis is either the leader or he's the mastermind or he's just another member. And I wonder if that would then tie into this a little bit more. And you'd be like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, you're our main villain, and we don't even see... It's like, it's... In, yeah. So in, I'll make a James Bond reference, so I don't have to make my uh, James Bond known Sorry. later. Um, so in James Bond, you got Spectre. And the leader of Spectre is Blofeld. And instead of... Like, this story is as if Blofeld and James Bond just had, like, a one-on-one, -on -one, like, duke it out. That was it. Yeah. No Spectre agent. There's no, like, henchman or anything like that. Like, I guess Angeal kind of becomes a henchman. But it's... He's more of, like, a buddy that defects. He's, like... Yeah, a but, more... like, Angeal's, like, the, the, the main perpetrator. Like, right. he was the perfect clone out of the gen out of the, the project G, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. It's it's yeah. it's I I wish they would have just storyboarded this a little bit better. Yep. Because I feel like the structure and the story is there. You just have to really know. rework the Yeah, I feel like the PSP bit. was kind of just a mess though. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, unfortunately well is right around that time where Sony wasn't killing it yet. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't play how I feel like this got released, like the PS Vita was released during the playstation 4 when they were like the later end of the playstation mm -hmm. 4 where they're just killing it and i feel like had just a few more years maybe uh just had this been a, in a different time releasing different time or different yeah. age would have been a better game but what we got is okay yeah no it's bad so yeah overall uh crisis core if you like final fantasy 7 you're probably gonna like parts of this game some of it you're gonna be like what the fuck is that yeah. uh, unless buying you might find a physical copy and have a psp emulate this game because it's not available anywhere right yeah so it's and one of it's, those and i think that's the biggest crime of this thing like had it been yeah. more available and not specifically released only on a system like had yeah. you been able to release this on to like the playstation well, man, 4 eventually there's or whatever. like five collections of kingdom hearts games yep. square like give us a final fantasy 7 collection dirge of cerberus you're just a port of final fantasy 7 yeah with like the updated like hit the art the trigger button and you can run faster Right, like those little things, and this game, yep. we would have paid like probably eighty dollars for it. Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, absolutely. And you didn't have to do like HD remakes. No. You just literally have port. to release just them, a port. so just yeah. people so they can play them. Yeah. 
But anyways, anyway, so that would be my only complaint is I wish it was a little more accessible. It's not the best game. There are parts that are kind of fun, I guess. I don't know. I accidentally found myself with like the perfect strategy at the end of the game. So good job, me. Yeah. You know, and I, I guess for a handheld experience, it's hard to really complain with what you're getting. Yeah. Considering it is a handheld. It's not a full fledged console. It's yes. not a full release. It's, it's a handheld game. Yeah. Um, I think I'll probably be a little bit more critical for Dirge of Cerberus, especially because that one takes a lot more of a digression than this one does, I find. Yeah, very, so. very true. Sweet. So with that, uh, 30 minutes was the aim of this. We're at like just a little over 30 minutes. I think that's good. So uh, we're done with that. I don't know what the next project is. I don't know what the exact timeline is. We're kind of maybe recording these out of order. So we'll talk to you guys maybe next week or two weeks or I don't know, do something else, you know? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Shit. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.